You're listening to Season 7, Episode Number 2 of Strike the Match. In this episode, my guest is Peyton Jones, author and church planter. Today we talk about his latest book, Church Plantology, The Art and Science of Planting Churches. So with that in mind, let's... Welcome to Strike the Match with teacher and missiologist Dr. J.D. Strike the Match is a podcast that addresses matters related to missions, innovation, and leadership. Now here's J.D. Well, it's not every day that I get a book that is on church planting and is uh, almost 450 pages, something like that in length. And so that clearly catches my attention. But also the name that's on this book catches my attention. I've known this brother for for a few years. I've been so thankful for his ministry, thankful for uh, his his work in the realm of church planting. Peyton Jones is our guest today on Strike the Match. He is a church planter trainer with the North American Mission Board. He has been involved in church planting for many years. He served as a bivocational church planter for over 20 years. He's planted churches in both the states and the uh, United Kingdom. He is the founder of New Breed Church Planter Network, a variety of other things that he has done as well. He's got a blog, he's a podcaster, he did a church planting magazine. Uh, but the book, the book that we're talking about today is uh, his book that has just recently come out entitled Church Plantology the art and science of planting churches. And so this is a brother who eats, breathes, sleeps, drinks, church planting. And so it's a delight to, to have him with us today. So, so Peyton, I just want to welcome you to Strike the Match. Hey, thank you, JD. I appreciate that. And my, uh, my admiration of you, brother, is uh, very strong. Um, I've been very appreciative of your books on church planning, your work as well. So I just had to say that. Oh, you're very, you're very kind. I'll send you my monthly check to thank you for that <laughs> later on. Um, you didn't have to remind me. I'm just kidding. Hey, man, you are an author of other books. So Church Zero, uh, Reaching the Unreached. I remember doing an endorsement for that book. And uh, then you've got this book called The Ninja Church Planter. Um, your your handle, your handle has like ninja in it uh, on Twitter. Uh, I'm looking at a screen right now here that says the Ninja Church Planner with a with a logo on it. Man, what is what is it with you and ninjutsu? I want to know. We we inquiring minds want to know. You know, I wish I were a ninja, and if I were, I couldn't tell you. But you know, it's funny because uh, sequential planting is probably what God has had me do over the years. And it, it's hard to explain. Finally, I was like, I, I just do what Paul did. I plant, I raise up leadership, and I move on. I'm not the planner who stays. I'm apostolically mobile and agile, and uh, it, it's a hard life. I'm not going to lie, but that is something that I think we need to recover. It's, it, it's not for everybody. Some people need to plant and stay but other people need to plant and keep moving. And ninjas, you know, kind of like the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, they they uh, steal out of the cover of the shadows, strike hard, and disappear again. And that's what I do. So I'm assuming uh, you also consumed a great deal of ninja movies probably in the <laughs> 80s as well. 
Just guessing. Yeah, that's the real answer, JD. Okay, that, but I, I tried to go all theological, missiological, <laughs> but you, you nailed it. That's hey, that's the real answer. I, man, I tell you what, at my local uh, video store, I think I I had seen everything there several times. But the question is, <laughs> have you seen the 1985 Barry Gordy's movie, The Last Dragon? Of course, show enough. Look at that. Yeah, Bruce Leroy, man, that is an <laughs> awesome show. And so for you poor souls that are out there listening, especially those of you all that are in other countries and have no idea what these crazy Americans are talking about, uh, movie, 1985, martial arts film, that's all I can say about it. I think I've seen it about 14 or 15 times. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And once you get past show enough, and that'll make sense when you see it, and you watch that movie, then you need to watch Jim Cotta, which uh, is what happens when an Olympic gold medal winner uh, decides to make a movie about ninjas. And I know the train's coming up. I like your train in the background. That that is some great, uh, great effects. Um, you know, they, they, there are podcasts out there that have all these, you know, theatrical productions. You know, I'm I'm low budget, low quality here, but you br- you're bringing the sound today, brother. I appreciate that. You know, on the Church Planner podcast that have been running for years, we always joke that it's like on Mister Rogers when the trolley comes by. It's like, okay, right about the time <laughs> that we finish recording every week. Okay, it's time to go back to real life now. Yeah. We're, we're leaving make-believe land. Well, I promise I will not refer to you as King Friday the 13th, <laughs> but you were on the cover of Outreach Magazine, and that looked like a very sweet uh, sweet uh, cover that they did of you. Yeah, yeah, it was kind of cool. I mean, a bit surreal, a bit strange to see yourself sure. like that. I mean, yeah. church planners, we want to kind of embrace obscurity. Right. I mean, I, it, it's a game changer for church planning. You you don't get to be the pulpiteering legend or the celebrity if you're doing it right. Let's talk about this book, brother. Um, church plantology. So I, I have to, you know, that's the first thing that caught my attention when I originally saw the the ad in um, in a, a magazine or a catalog that I received from Zondervan. You have to tell us what in the world is church plantology. Yeah, you know, it, it's. It's a study of church planting, of, of course, right? But it also uh, is really a, a way of identifying principles. When I train planners, I don't train them in methodology. Um, I train church planting principles because the, 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 the book is subtitled The Art and Science of Planting Churches. And I think the science part is the principles. What are the principles that the Holy Spirit laid down in the New Testament for us? Like, what are the things that all planners everywhere should put into practice? And those aren't methods. Methods are how you apply principles. And that's the art part of it. So the science is the principles. The art is how you do that in your immediate context and whatever time you live in. You know, I mean, obviously they didn't have technology like we have a few hundred years ago, but they were still utilizing principles. And so the overlapping of three circles, because we like that in church planning circles, right? We, we like the overlapping circles. If you take three circles and you overlap them in the middle, you're going to find where all three circles overlap, you'll have the church plantology principle. And the way that we distill those is you take, you know, what are the principles in Scripture? That, that you see Paul doing. You, you see him doing a, a few different things. Um, then what are the best global missionary practices where, where you can take things that they did in Scripture and they still 
are things that, that bear fruit today. There's still things that you could go anywhere in the world and do. It doesn't matter if it's Mongolia. It doesn't matter if it's India. It doesn't matter if it's South America. Those are the, the best missiological practices today. And then if that's true, if there's that overlap of those two, then certainly we would expect that in church history, we would actually find that whenever the kingdom of God advanced rapidly, or there was a movement of the Holy Spirit, a.k.a. revival, that these same, mis these same principles would have occurred in church history, like through the Moravians, through the Wesleyans, through you know the, the Baptist farmers, through uh, you name it, we'll, we'll see these same. And so where those three overlap, uh, I call that a church plantology principle. And there are more than 10, but I in identify in the book the main 10. I, I love how, how, that, how that subtitle was constructed, because that's exactly the case. It, I think it is both an art and a science. There are those universals, those things that are translatable, as you, as you mentioned, from culture to culture, context to context. But then at the same time, you know, there's that, there is that element of you, you can't script this. You can't put this in a box. There is that artistic expression there that allows for the diversity of a team's gifts and passions and talents and abilities and the work of the dynamic spirit among people, among a community that's made up of individuals that are not robots. And so things are going to change and ebb, ebb and flow. Uh, so those of you that are listening out there, this book offers a, a fresh perspective, especially on the conversation around uh, the, the APES discussions that are out there, the Apostle prophet, evangelist, shepherd, teacher. So, um, Peyton, could you share with us a little bit about your thoughts on on that issue of APEST? Well, you know, uh, before I answer that, I, I do want to say that um, when I was looking, and you'll know this as someone who's, you know, taught church planning at the university level, written textbooks, um, your definition of church planning was the most satisfying definition I could find. And I mean, I read tons of books and I actually use yours to say, Hey, this, this is the best definition. And it was, it was surprisingly hard JD, um, to find it. And, you know, it's funny, you wrote that book, uh, on apostolic church planning. And I felt reading that book for the first time, like I was seen. Um, you know, as an app. So I remember reading it just going, he just described what what I've been doing. And that was so refreshing. And so APEST has been something uh, over the years that that I came to, you know, I, I, I wasn't raised with that as being a framework. And I was really suspicious and very guarded about do not tell me there are modern day apostles walking around like the 12. And of course, the 12 are called the 12. And Paul sees himself as one born out of due time. He puts himself in the same category and yet makes the distinction, I am the apostle to the Gentiles. And so, um, but I began to realize that the, the, not those titles, not those roles, not the special superpowers, if you will, quote unquote, of the 12, uh, it, it wasn't that. It's that Paul uses this for nine other people um, like Timothy and Barnabas. And so that functionality, uh, how you function as a leader is different. And so over the years, church planning, I've served with people who um, are more apostolic, like myself, who you never, uh, you would never call me a shepherd. I have a teaching gift, but uh, I'm, I'm also not a teacher. Uh, you know, teachers are happy, like people like John MacArthur, just to 
to, to teach in the pulpit, become pulpiteering legends. You know, you'd have Spurgeon doing that. Um, but that wasn't me either. There was this drive to mission. And so when it comes to church planning in the New Testament, you see there are usually two types of teams. There's a team of elders who are left behind, and we call those the uh, the fist team that stays behind. And the, the fist being an acronym, you know, not really an acronym, but an illustration, an acronym of APES as an apostolic prophet, evangelist, teacher, shepherd. The fist leadership is how I have fun with it and talk about how all five fingers come together to, to, to really make impact. I, I really wanted this book to be a book about team planting because we can so often like throw 15 planners out and, and throw them at the wall like spaghetti and hope something sticks. And what I've learned to do over the years is to train planters to go out in teams. Even if I have three planters in front of me, I say, well, you all need to go out together. You need to hardwire this thing for multiplication and launch out of each other, which is what Paul did. And then if, if the, you I actually train people to plant local networks rather than churches so that, that the planners aren't alone. They're a super team from day one. There's back and forth. The congregations know all these players uh, within this APES makeup. And uh, the, the last chapter of the book actually focuses on planting networks. How do you do that? Local networks, like Paul did, the seven churches of Asia. Um, and I, I, I map out that uh, you have actually... Um, seven New Testament networks that are identified um, in the first century around the Mediterranean. Importance of team, importance of apostolic approach. Peyton talks about the importance of character in this book. A lot, a lot of great golden nuggets of of wisdom uh, that uh, you need to reach out and and grasp uh, if you're considering uh, this book. Uh, I want to encourage you to make sure you check it out, Church Plantology. Peyton, what would you say, uh, maybe in addition to uh, the conversation on APES, um, what else would you say would be unique about this book in the world of church planting literature that's out there? Yeah, I would say that um, a lot of the things that that come from church plantology, not only the approach, but um, the fact that it's very mission-centered. Everything in the book centers around mm-hmm. mission. And the, uh, you know, people from the missional community have said, man, this is this is our church planning book. This is the book that, you know, like Rob Wagner the other day um, made the comment, I can I can recommend this church planning book right now. He's in the microchurch movement and uh, working with Kansas City Underground. He said, I have no caveats mm-hmm. when I recommend this book. It just it is what the missional movement, you know, has has really been lacking in that, you know, they, they I just keep hearing people say this is our book. Um, this is our church planning text. And, and so I would mm-hmm. say that there's definitely a strong missional uh, kind of mobilizing every believer in their gifts. There's also uh, two chapters on um, gathering in public space, which I was writing pre-COVID. My, my previous book you mentioned, Reaching the Unreached, Becoming Raiders of the Lost Art, was really about um, infiltrating. Another good 80s reference there. Absolutely. Church Zero is just (laughs) way too many 80s references. But, you know, and those... By the way, I put on my parachute pants when I was reading through any... uh, any Yeah, Peyton Tom. Whoa, whoa. So (laughs) here's here's the thing is, you know, as as you look at it, I mean, 
it's it's got a different um, perhaps orientation, uh, you know, in the sense of it's very solid as far as like evangelically solid. You know, I come from a, a mm-hmm. more of a reform background. Um, you're going to hear Spurgeon, Lloyd Jones, Keller. I mean, all those guys are going to be in there, but you're also going to see a bunch of Wesley as well. I embrace kind of all of it. I mean, you know, a, a friend of mission is a friend of mine. I think once you're a missionary, mm-hmm. you you become a lot less tribal and a lot more kingdom centered, a lot more, let's just advance the kingdom together. And, you know, even with the yeah. APEST itself, I'll see um, whereas the teachers gravitate towards the Reformed and the Pentecostals, Charismatics, you know, gravitate towards the prophetic type leaders. And we, we've been fragmented. I love that in church planning, you come together. And that was our experience in Europe is we began mm-hmm. to come together around uh, church planning. And we found these apest personalities, you know, these, these functions coming together. And when mission is the center, everything just clicks into place. It just, you know, mm-hmm. when, when the mission of Christ, because it's about the glory of God. I mean, that that's what I love. That's what's addictive to mission. It centers me again and again and again. And sometimes I'll think, am I too into this church planning thing? Am I? And then I just come back to the glory. You know, it's that John 17 prayer yeah. where Jesus is, he's praying about the mission, his mission, the 12's mission, and then the mission of all of us, any, you can't divorce that from the glory of God. And I think that just, yeah. that just keeps, keeps me honest, keeps resonating. Let's talk a moment about, about training. Um, we've both been uh, involved in training church planters for, for, you know, many, many years. When, when you look at church planting training today, what, what do you see as far as maybe some of the things that are lacking out there mm. in preparing planters? Yeah, I think that um, one of the things, you know, I start off in the book talking about the difference between church planting and church starting. A lot of what we train people to do is church starting, like start a Sunday service, mm-hmm. gather a crowd, get a flashy leg- logo. And, a, you know, this is one of the things I've appreciated about your work is it is not that, right? Um, but, but so much of it is, you know, is, and so, uh, I really wanted to get people to understand that there is a difference here. If I'm looking at what Paul did, he wasn't church starting. He was church planting, which is sowing the seed of the gospel and making disciples. I, when I started church planting, I church planted out of a, um, a Starbucks on accident mm. around a Dan Brown Da Vinci code reading. It was a one night only group to discuss it because enough people would come through the bar. I was working as a barista, as a missionary. And I threw this group and 30 people turned out, then 40 the second night, because they begged to do it again. And then the third night, um, they said, Hey, you know, why don't we go through the real gospels? And this was Hmm. 50 non-believers coming up with this idea, like as if they had just discovered the most punk rock idea ever. (laughs) They were so proud of themselves. I had no idea that we're planning a church. Hmm. And I I felt like a spectator. And so I was just like, you know, Lord, you just turned up and did this thing. I didn't even, but it, but it reoriented me. Like if I had gone out and tried to start a church, I would have done everything differently. And lo and behold, I started with the gospel. I started with just being around people, interacting with them. I started with discipleship and this rad little church plant hub started off this completely Mm -hmm. with unbelievers. And so it goes back to, for me, 
Um, it was something that Ralph Moore said, and I quote in the book, which is, if you plant a church, discipleship doesn't necessarily happen. But if you disciple people in front of you, church planning will happen. Mm. And of course, I'm working with an organization called Bible League International right now, where that's exactly uh, what's happened. They, they, they said, hey, we just were translating discipleship tools and now we're in the church planning gig. And we really didn't set out to do this, um, but now we're in this game. And what's been amazing to me is when I look at the discipleship of Jesus, um, there were three things. There was time, teaching, and tactics. Mm-hmm. So when you look at when you ask someone, you know, how do you disciple people? The answer is normally, I don't know, because most people in our churches have not been discipled. And I have this theory that we tend to disciple how we were discipled. So if you weren't discipled, you don't disciple, right? Everybody agrees, oh, we should. But for me, I I started getting discipled by somebody just taking me aside, taking me through First John, uh, drinking coffee or eating food with me and saying, what do you think he means by these couple verses? And we moved through a few verses at a time. 30-something years on, J.D., that's exactly how I disciple everybody. I take them through first John. I do exactly what was done for me. Uh, I don't know where this guy got is probably how the person discipled him. It's not the right way. It's not the only way, but you know, when Jesus discipled the 12, this is the key missing ingredient. He discipled them on mission. He, he didn't just sit around drinking coffee and saying, what do you think about God? He literally took them out. And, and I will say the guy who did this with me actually took me out talking to people on the streets. Now I hated that and I still hate that and don't make me do that again. But I, it gave me this taste for getting out and around people. And I think most of our church planner training, a lot of seminary, we don't ever train people to practically get out there and do things. And so when I train planners the very first week and I, I train them regularly at very first assignment I give is I say, Hey, um, the, thanks for coming this week. We'll see you next week. And uh, I want you all to go out and lead someone to Jesus this week. And everybody looks back at me in horror. And some people smirk like he's got to be joking. And I'll just kind of, you know, have fun with it a bit and say, all right, hey, listen, rock stars, you're you're all church planners, right? You're here to learn church planning. Well, uh, look, I read your newsletters and you guys all talking, I'm going to take this city for Jesus. Well, I'm just asking you to go lead one person to Jesus. Like, come on, rock stars, get out there. You know, and and so what what ends up happening is most of them don't because they're scared, you know, and if we just call a spade a spade, I get it. We're all scared, you know, heck, even Paul was like, pray for me for boldness. So uh, I'm that guy. That's what the whole reaching the unreached book was about was getting out there, getting out of the hobbit hole, letting Gandalf come and knock on your door and say, want to go on an adventure? Well, these guys would come back with amazing stories about, okay, Peyton, I, like you said, I went to a, a, a bus stop with a Starbucks travel cup. It was autumn. And I started just giving people drinks and coffee. And I led this guy, this 50 year old African-American businessman. I led him to Christ. He missed his bus twice. And now these are the stories. And I would tell him, guys, this is what you got in this gig for. Don't ever lose sight of that. And whatever you did this past week, that's what you're going to be doing a lot of if you're church planning like Paul did. Man, that is fantastic. I lo- love to hear that uh, getting people into the field uh, from the from the very beginning. Hey, when you're writing this book, is there is there something that just stands out sort of on your list of 
delights and enjoyment uh, of this of this writing process, um, <laughs> other than other than being done, <laughs> other than shipping it off Spoken to the publisher. Like an author of a textbook. Oh man, uh, what what you know? What was a, a great point of delight, excitement? Maybe something the Lord taught you uh, in this process of of publishing this book. Wow, you know, um, this is this is authors geeking out together, JD. But like, I you know, I wrote two. Um, you, you mentioned the size of this book. I actually wrote two. When I went back, um, I I gave Zondervan an eight hundred page manuscript, <laughs> and they said, uh, "No, Peyton, <laughs> we're not doing that." But, no schnabel you know, today. <laughs> oh my gosh, I I so overused him. Oh, I, I oh, was I, I, I saw him too, man. That that I I literally um I and you pronounced it right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've been on interviews where they're like, Schnabel. So, yeah, you know, uh, again, authors geeking out. But I think for me, what what if I were to say what really helped me as an author this time um, and what the Lord taught me, and th- this is going to go a little theological here, but um, there's a certain sense in which naming something is important. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll write things that, that I've experienced and I'll write things that I've learned I'm not great about naming things. You know, if I were Adam in the garden and God, you know, didn't say, go name everything, I'd be like a big, big uh, (laughs) orange stripey animal that jumps around and bites me. You know, and I'm describing a tiger, Uh but, you know, naming things is powerful. And I, with plantology, I needed a term that would name so that people could could encapsulate okay those principles from the new testament that are you know globally missiological and pop up through church history when the kingdom of god is advancing okay church plantology i needed a way to name things so i worked hard on putting names and labels and there are times i failed in this book i look back and think you should have named that but I think, you know, that was part of Adam's dominion was he was naming it. God's going, I'm going to give you this ownership here of, of you know, what I've what I've done here. And that's part of your, your you know, dominion mandate here is to, uh, to, to kind of own the earth and look after it and take care of it. And so for me, with some of these principles that, that I've learned, uh, some of them just needed names mm-hmm. and, you know, uh, I, you know, you asked in the beginning about ninja planting. It's just sequential planting. Mm-hmm. I just put a fun 80s name on it. <laughs> <laughs> My guest today uh, has been Peyton Jones. Uh, been talking about a variety of, of, of great things. Uh, everything from 80, 80s insignificant trivia to uh, the most important thing of the conversation today. Uh, his most recent book, Church Plantology, The Art and Science of Planting Churches. Uh, You will definitely want to get a copy of this book if you have not done so. Uh, It is, as I mentioned a moment ago, it is a fresh perspective on church planting, on a variety of uh, conversations that have been happening in recent years, and so you'll definitely want to check out Church Plantology. Hey, Peyton, if people want to find out uh, more about you, your online resources, podcasts, all that stuff, man, where, where can we go? Where can we find you? Yeah, so uh, you can go to newbreednetwork.org uh, or um, my blog site and kind of where I post all my podcasts and um, blogs and everything else is ministryninja.com. 
So ministryninja.com is probably the best place to find me. All right, ministryninja.com. Hey, thank you so much uh, for being with us today. Uh, Great talking with you again, brother, and uh, keep up the great kingdom work. Thanks for having me on, man. You have been listening to Strike the Match with J.D. Penn. You can find J.D. on Instagram, Facebook, or follow him on Twitter at J.D. underscore Payne. And if you'd like to check out more books, posts, and podcast episodes, visit jdpain.org. You can also subscribe to this podcast on your favorite Android app or at iTunes. And we'd be honored if you would consider rating us or leaving comments. Thanks again for tuning in. We hope you'll join us next time.